Welcome in everybody to your Tuesday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your regular Tuesday hosts here, Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano. Uh, I'm from WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo, as well as the Locked On Sabres podcast. And Mike is from TSN 1050 Radio up in Toronto, as well as Locked On Leafs. Mike, how are you on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's, it's still warm, I'm assuming, because I'm in Buffalo no. or Toronto. The weather's not too far. It's not warm? It's not warm? No, well, it's actually funny. It's super foggy today, so I guess it's not like okay. cold. But yesterday, when I got out of the studio around eleven o'clock or so, it was uh, it was freezing. It was like well Celsius. It was like two degrees. Okay, so I'm, I don't really want to do the quick uh, quick math there, but it's rough. That's roughly <laughs> like I don't know thirty six degrees or something like that in Fahrenheit. That's and yeah. So that's that's crazy. Maybe that that's what how crazy Buffalo weather can be because it was actually it got super cold like at night, um, maybe like into the forties, high forties. But it got it got to seventy degrees here last night Fahrenheit or yesterday. Oh, so I don't even know how that's possible, but uh, that's Buffalo weather for you, man. It can turn out a dime, and that's uh, not that surprising to me. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the Eastern Conference today. We're Eastern Conference guys here on this Tuesday, and we have a new uh, Lockdown NHL Twitter account. So if you're looking for some more social media content from us, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown NHL. We'll be posting all the all the episodes once they're up, and um, yeah, so follow us there. So since we last spoke, there's been a lot of changes. There's been one team that I think we kind of crapped on a little bit that has gone on a torrid pace. We will uh, we'll mention them in a little bit. Look at the standings a little bit, and also an ESPN article that's outlying the early favorites for each NHL award has an Eastern conference player at the as the leader in almost every one of them. So I'm going to bring that up as well. Uh, let's start though today with uh, last night's game. So the Buffalo Sabres fall to the Arizona coyotes after having a two, nothing lead. So kind of a downer there for Sabre fans. Um, if you're looking for a full dive in on that game, by the way, check out my locked on Sabres podcast. And then the Florida Panthers have an eight game Point streak broken by the Vancouver Canucks in a seven to two loss. They give five goals in the first period. I didn't get to see a ton of that game, um, but I did see the first period and I saw that Florida gave up that five goals. And um, let's start there. Florida right now they have fourteen points. They're in a playoff spot. They're actually tied with your Leafs and a little bit above uh, two points above Tampa Bay and Montreal. So here we sit with the Atlantic, and it's all really tight. And how do you see Florida uh, kind of mixing in there? I, I'm I'm one to think that they are super talented, and I think that they're a playoff team. Like, for instance, comparing them to the Sabres, I know the Sabres have six more points, but the rest of the season I would probably guess Florida is going to be the better team. So where do you sit right now with Florida as it pertains to the, uh, to the rest of the Atlantic? Yeah, I'm right with you there, Joe. I, I think Florida's a really talented team. You look at the the lineup, they're they're so deep. They've got so much uh talent everywhere. They went they added a lot this offseason and they really showed up the goaltending situation by bringing in Bobrovsky. Now, they're a, they got off to a slow start and they're still kind of off to a slow start, but mm-hmm. I, I got to think that with the amount of kind of turnover that they had this offseason plus a brand new coach new systems it's just taking them a little bit to get going but I think once they do figure themselves out uh, I have full confidence that Florida not only will finish with a playoff spot but with an Atlantic divisional spot wrapped up 
Yeah, I, I kind of did uh, mislead the audience, I guess, here, that they are just on this torrid stretch, eight-game point streak. They did have four overtime losses, four overtime or shootout losses yeah. in that stretch. So they are playing kind of 500 hockey, but they're getting to overtime and getting points that way. Barkov, by the way, Alexander Barkov, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the league, he has a super interesting stat line so far this year. In 12 games, he's over a point a game pace, but he's yet to score a goal. I he did zero, see that. Yeah. yeah. Zero yeah. goals and 13 assists in 12 games. Yeah, no, I was I was kind of, you know, my fantasy team's not off, off to the hottest starts. It's like, ah, <laughs> okay. who can I go and, and, you know, add to try and turn things around? And I was taking a look at some players and Barkov mm-hmm. showed up and I was like, he hasn't scored a goal yet? What? Right. Like, so, so if you think about it, this team is still, as of now, they're third in the Atlantic in a playoff spot and their best player has yet to score a goal and get going. So that only bodes well for the team going forward. And your fantasy team's struggling. I just lost Vladimir Tarasenko maybe Ooh, until guys. March. Oh, so man. That's, that's that's a killer, um, especially this early on in the season. Um, how are the Leafs doing, by the way? Last we spoke, I think they were struggling a little bit. I know they lost to Montreal. Um, what was that, Sunday night, Saturday night? And, Saturday um, night, yeah. Yeah. How, how have the Leafs been going? I know without, with, especially since uh, John Tavares has, uh, has left the lineup. Yeah, I talked about it in today's podcast, um, Locked On Leafs Pod. A big reason for why the Leafs have been struggling and they're, you know, status quo, same as last week, still struggling. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just the schedule has been so tough for them. In the first 26 games of the season, or, or sorry, 24 days of the season, yep. the Leafs had 13 games. That's more, that's. They play the most in the half. NHL right now. Yeah, so, so. Tied for the most, but yeah. And four of those games are, you know, they have four back-to-backs and each of those four back-to-backs are against a rested team. And they've only got one out of a possible eight points in those games. So the schedule really has been tough uh, on the Leafs to start the year. I, not that I want to make excuses for, sure. for Toronto because they're, they're also just not playing very well. Their big boys are not playing like they're 11, 12 million dollar players, which is obviously a problem when you got uh, the, the funny thing is, is like I keep looking at, at the stats every day and just like, oh, you know, how, how are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I see Marner sitting there. He's got like 15 points in 13 games. But he's if you actually watch, he's not mm. playing well at all. And most of those points are on the power play. So it's just, you know, they, they've got to really start getting it going and they got to, they're playing terrible in their own zone. Uh, mm-hmm. And Tavares has been out for a little bit. So their power play has been struggling. Uh, they're going to get Travis Dermott back tonight when they play the Washington Capitals. So I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of gives them a bit of a spark and they can get a win against a, a pretty good Caps team tonight. Yep, and as you mentioned, uh, if, if anybody's looking for a more in-depth look at the Leafs, you can uh, check out the Locked On Leafs podcast. We will take a timeout here, and we will come back and go over some of the early front runners for NHL awards. That's right after this on the Locked On NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano. All right, let's. Uh, I thought an, an article that caught my attention from Greg Wyshynski uh, of ESPN. It's a little early to be doing this. I think maybe that's why it caught my attention. But it also caught my attention because there were a lot of sabers in this article. Was <laughs> NHL awards watch one month in um, for the main awards like the Hart and the and the Art Ross and uh, and, and the Vesna and a lot of Eastern Conference players leading the way. I think the only player that he had 
leading an award that wasn't an Eastern Conference player was Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy. And let's start there because he actually has Jack Eichel and David Pasternak as the other two finalists if he had to settle it right now. And I, um, you know, like I actually had this discussion with uh, with Tom Gazzola on Friday's uh, episode of the Locked On NHL podcast, like the, the season Eichel is having. I, I don't really see him as like a McDavid. I think McDavid's on a whole nother level, even though they were compared all the time in that draft class. Like to me, Eichel's sure. maybe, maybe a guy that, hey, he could win like almost like Malkin. He could win a heart or two in his career. But I don't yet see him as a guy that, hey, every single year he's in the conversation. But that doesn't mean that this year can't be one of those years. And he's on a toward pace. He scored again last night. So let's start there. Eichel and even Pasternak, let's throw him into the mix, although he's got him leading another award. Um, Either one of those guys do you think could really challenge McDavid for the Hart Trophy? The problem with the Hart Trophy is is it's such a difficult – trophy to kind of wrap my head around because it's technically like the most valuable player. Right. So often it's linked to, uh, you know, it's a link to the art Ross and, and, and all that. That's right. Yeah. With but, team success, a lot of times kind of mixed in there. Exactly. And I think yeah. a couple of years ago, McDavid was really upset. Was like, ah, I don't remember a lot, you know, a time where, uh, you know, somebody won the art Ross and didn't win the, <laughs> the or the even heart, the, right. and didn't win the heart. And I think it has to do with, with, with your team. So when I look at a guy like David Pasternak, and he's leading the league right now, 23 points, 11 goals. Uh, he's on a tear, had five assists the other night. And it makes me wonder, like, I think he, as of now, he is playing the best hockey of anybody in the league. That mm. being said, playing on a line with Marshan and... Bergeron, Bergeron. does that hurt his chances of winning an MVP? Because he then he's not as valuable to his team because he's on such a good line. But at the same time, I think he he is playing the best hockey. Uh, Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's so tough to to really solidify yourself as an MVP when you play on such a good team. I think that's why even last season I was like, I think Kudrov should get it. But I don't know if he's going to get it because that team is so good. And if he were gone, I think they would. They Tampa w- would have been okay. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, for you know, the year that Taylor Hall won, if Taylor Hall wasn't on that team, there is no way in hell that that team was making the playoffs. Right. That was kind of, it's actually funny you brought up both of those players because that's the exact comparables that Wyshynski uses for Eichel and Pasternak. Eichel, he uses the argument that, hey, he's got this many more points than the next guy in the team. I think Eichel's seven points ahead of second on the Sabres right now. I think uh, Skinner has nine and maybe, or Skinner maybe has 10 points and Eichel's up to 17 already. And that's kind of what happened with Taylor Hall a couple years ago where he had like 95 points and second was Nico Kiescher with like 40. And there was just a huge gap. And I think that's the comparison he made there. Pasternak, he also uses the Kucherov comparison. I wonder about that too. You brought that up. Like last year, I heard that argument a lot about Kucherov. It's like, all right, for instance, take him off that line, put McDavid on it, just even at the wing. Like who cares? And what's he going to do? Like is he really playing with Steven Stamkos and with Braden Point? Can you really consider him the most valuable player in the league? And I kind of think that maybe just because he put up – such a crazy number of points. He was over 120 points last year. 
then maybe that brought that or that really helped that along. Whereas if Pasternak maybe leads the league in points, but it's really close and maybe he just like just cracks a hundred, I'm not sure that's going to do it for him. Yeah. The, the thing that I was talking about earlier, by the way, when I said McDavid, when he was complaining about how uh, linking it mm-hmm. to um, linking it to the Art Ross, I meant the Ted Lindsay. So Ted Lindsay, Ted, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to clear that up. The Ted Lindsay, the one that's voted as the best player in the NHL. Usually, by, yeah. if you, by if the you players, the, I think. Yeah, by the players. Yeah. So usually if you win the Ted Lindsay, the, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, winning yeah. the, the MVP comes the MVP. along with it. But uh, yeah, right. I just want to clear that up. But um, Postrock, by the way, we, race. yeah, the Postrock we already spoke on. By the way, so we don't have to go any further on him. But he is the leader right now for the Art Ross Trophy. Twenty three points in eleven games. McDavid is second with twenty one points in twelve games. Um, no, that's not right. John Carlson, uh, I think, is uh, right up there. I don't know why we should see he doesn't list him, but McDavid's right there's there. A three-way, there's a three-way tie for three-way tie points. That's here, why. Yeah. Okay, Rocket Richard Trophy, Pasternak leading the way there as well with 11 goals in 11 games. Uh, Norris Trophy. Speaking of John Carlson, he has John Carlson as the leader for the Norris, and you've kind of mentioned this too. Like it's trying to figure out as much of what the award actually is and what they vote on versus maybe what it should be. And for the most part, the Norris has just kind of become the most offensive defenseman in the league. And not that John Carlson is like Brent Burns in the way that like Burns is not to me, it just on his defensive play alone, he's never going to be a Norris winner. Um, Carlson's got 21 points in 13 games, but he's also really like a solid shutdown defenseman in his own end. I think it's, I don't even know if there's a guy that I can even mention. He lists Roman Yossi and Chris Letang as finalists, but I think that is a much bigger gap right now for the Norris. Carlson, I think, is just on a torrid start. Oh, 100%. Like, John Carlson, like we spoke about last week, he turned into Mike Bossy, right? Right. Or or, uh, Or, uh, Bobby Orr. Bobby Bobby Orr, Orr, right, right. (laughs) But, um, yeah. I mean, kind of Mike Bossy, too. I mean, the way he's scoring recently. Yeah, very good point. He is. But it's it's insane. Like, I I can't remember last time I was like, all right, let's hand out this. uh, Let's hand out a league award in October because it's, Signed, sealed, delivered. It's his. Like, mm-hmm. it is 100%. If, unless he gets injured, I don't see him. Like, obviously, he's not going to stick around at this pace. But I can see him averaging around or or above a point a game the rest of the way. And certainly in his future, he, he's going to win himself mm-hmm. uh, a Norris. Yep. Um, two other awards that have uh, Eastern Conference players at the top are both from the Buffalo Sabres, where if you're looking for more in-depth look on them, by the way, check me out in the Locked on Sabres podcast. Uh, Fushinsky and ESPN.com here has Victor Olison as the leader for the Calder Trophy. They have Ralph Kruger as the leader for the Jack Adams Award for Best Head Coach. And I think if mm-hmm. I were going to bet on one of the two, I would certainly go for the Jack Adams award. He's got Barry Trotz and Dave Tippett listed as finalists here. I think Dave Tippett maybe would even be my front runner right now, but I can see uh, Ralph Kruger, the way the job he's done so far being in that conversation all, all year. The Calder though, like I'm not actually, I don't know how much of the Sabres you've gotten to see, but Victor Olsson so far, like he is just, I, I don't even know. He's a power he's play such, guy, right? He is a, he's a, almost an only power play guy though at this yeah. point. Like it's, Kind of amazing that Jack Eichel's had such a great start, and Sam Reinhart's always going to give you uh, 50, 60 points on, on a top line as well. And 
Olsen's putting up points even like the last five games. Like he's not played well, but he's still got, I think, three assists in that stretch. He just is not really producing five on five, like almost at all. And to me, I see Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr over in the West, both defensemen, but both look awesome so far this year. And even though I'm very excited about Olison here in Buffalo, like I think I don't think I would bet on him to win the color right now. No, me neither. Me neither. Like just take a look now. He's got 10 points on the year, eight of which on the power play, all six goals on the power play. Uh, he's getting a lot of time on ice playing over 17 minutes a game, which is is quite a bit, but which is also kind of concerning that he's getting that much time and not really getting much. Right. right? Yeah. The five on five plays on five. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not, I think it's just a guy who's got off to a really hot start. Uh, I, I can see him fading, but I mean, he, he was a super late round. He was like a seventh round pick, wasn't he? Yep. Seventh round pick like four yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, they've already cashed in pretty good on this prospect. You know, even if he doesn't turn into being a superstar, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's been a good story so far. And if he can end up being, you know, like a 15, 20 goal scorer, good on them. That's, it's not bad out of a seventh rounder. But mm-hmm. for me, I agree. I think, you know, one of the defensemen out West, whether it's McCarr or Hughes, then, you know, you can't forget about Jack Hughes either. Like he, he finally yeah. had started to pick it up after going pointless in what his first seven games, I think. Yep. yep. Uh, he's got five points in his, in, in through nine games so far. So he's a guy who's getting it going. Obviously you can't forget about uh Capo Caco either. Nick Suzuki's playing really well. Um, yep. And then, you know, with the Leafs, Ilya Mihaev, people forget. He's, yeah, he's I, a rookie. Who is, who is this guy? I picked him up in fantasy, actually, the other day. I've oh, never seen him play. Up. I just saw, hey, this guy's playing on – is he playing in their top six? And I just saw the points. Yeah, no, so I just added him. He he was playing – he's playing technically on their third line. He okay. kind of moved up to the second line a little bit. Uh, just uh, – honestly, th- this guy is – I don't know how much Leafs you watch, but he he, he kind of yeah. he kind of resembles a game similar to like Zach Hyman, but he it just seems like he's a little bit more uh, offensive actually, and okay. I, I like him. He he's got a good fit there on the third line. Once everybody's healthy and back, he's going to be on the third line left wing, and then it's going to be Kerfin in the middle, and then probably Kasperi Kapanen as the right wing, and that's going to be a really good third line yeah. that has a good chance to be productive both offensively and they can shut people down defensively. And Mikheyev is a really good player who will kind of be able to do all that. And the good thing about him too, for fantasy wise is that he's, he's got to, he does all the peripherals. Like he, he shoots, uh, he hits, mm-hmm. he's scoring. Um, you know, it depends on yeah. how many, I guess, categories you have, but it, this is a player who at some point, if there's some injuries along the way to, you know, if Hyman gets re-injured or if Janssen gets re-injured, Mihaev is a player who can slot up all the way up and down the lineup, and he could end up on the top line next to, next to like, Matthews, to be honest with you, if, you know, Janssen either doesn't play or is playing poorly. So I like him. He he, he just, they signed him as a free agent out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's a little bit older, but he's just figuring out the NHL. So, you know, 10 points his first 13 games, it's it's really encouraging, yeah. really encouraging. And I could see him also winning uh, the the Calder Trophy. Sure. Hey, man, you never know. Panarin came over once upon a time as a Russian free agent. No one ever heard of him. Boom, he's exactly. just like a 70, 80-point player. Um, so, all right, another name to toss in the mix there. You did mention Jack Hughes, by the way. I just looked. He, all five of his points are in the last three games. So he is yeah. – uh, 
he certainly picked it up and he saw a season high 19 se- minutes, 17 seconds of ice time in their last game. So Jack Hughes has seen a bump up in, uh, in playing time there. Take another quick timeout here, and when we come back, we'll take a nice little rundown uh, through the Eastern Conference. A couple of teams that are on hot streaks, like the uh, New York Islanders, or are really falling by the wayside, like the Detroit Red Wings. We'll talk about both of them uh, when we return here on the Lockdown NHL Podcast. All right, let's move on to the Metropolitan Division before we get out of here, because there's one team that I think we kind of need to uh, maybe give some credit to after not giving them almost any credit last week. The Islanders are on a seven-game win streak. They've won eight of the last ten, but they're on a seven-game win streak. They're now second place in the Metropolitan Division with 16 points right ahead of Carolina, Pittsburgh. Um, and then there's actually a pretty big gap after that. It's Columbus and Philly. And that, that's kind of where I want to go with this. It's thinking about the Metro as a whole, but also throwing the Islanders in there um, because they're on the seven-game win streak. Like I see those four teams, Washington, the Islanders, Carolina, Pittsburgh, and I just don't really see any of the other ones right now. I thought Philly maybe, but not the way they're playing right now. I don't know if I see another team in the Metro, Columbus, Philadelphia, or the Rangers, or the Devils, even being capable of jumping up into that in a playoff spot. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because I think the Devils and Rangers are, are out. I think they're teams that we kind of expected to take a step, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think goaltending is going to be the biggest downfall for those two teams. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at the other two, Carter Hart, I think that he can steal some games for Philadelphia and they still have some solid players. Like they got a really good back end, uh, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier. Like they have some offensive talent, uh, Voracek, of course. So I think Philadelphia more so than Columbus could end up, kind of creeping up sure. and, and get themselves into that playoff conversation. I mean, it's still so early. Like we're in October, we're in the first month here. You know, uh, it's uh, as much as I want to make good for us uh, bad mouthing the Islanders last week, <laughs> I'm still not a hundred percent sold. Uh, no. And I won't be until maybe if, if they're still like this around Christmas, uh, then I'll be more so like, all right, the Islanders are for real. This is this is who they are. They're a good team. Barry Trotz is a great coach. He's got this kind of bunch of misfits uh, playing like all-stars and playing like a playoff team. But until then, um, I'll still be a little bit bullish on them. Uh, mm-hmm. But if there is a team who's kind of off to a slow start, who I think can pick it up and maybe fight for a playoff position in the, in, in the Metro, I think it probably would be Philly. Philly. Yeah, I think I, I, if I had to pick one at this point, I think I would still pick them. Um, I know Columbus got off to that they had that little hot streak in the middle there of their 11 games, but I mean, they gave up seven actually to Philly the other night. Like They are the ones where goaltending, I just question, especially like if they're going to be able to get that uh, all season. Um, one other team I did want to mention here real quick is they made a trade yesterday. The uh, Detroit Red Wings bring in Brandon Perlini from the Chicago Blackhawks. Not a, a major trade or anything, but a, a good young player that has scored double-digit goals every season he's played in the league. And I don't really think that they're gonna he's going to affect Detroit very much, though, because they are they have a league worse, actually. Let me double-check that that's the league worse. It's tied for the league worse, negative 18 goal differential in 12 games. Um, and I saw them play the Sabres live the other night and man, like I, I don't want to crap on Detroit for very long here because I'm not sure they're going to play a lot of, uh, they're going to be much of an impact in this season as a whole, but man, they just don't have, they don't have defensive depth. They're not getting the goaltending. And I feel like Dylan Larkin's just like on an Island there. 
Pretty much. Like outside of Larkin and Mantha, I'm Mantha, not right? looking at this Detroit team in uh in good lighting. I think Tyler Bertuzzi actually is, is a nice player and and mm-hmm. uh see you, but really I just like it's a nice trade. It's a it's a decent pickup, I guess. Roll the dice on a, a first round pick who, like you said, has scored double digit goals. Maybe something clicks and he turns out to be a, a decent top nine forward, but it's he's on his third team and he's what only 23 24 23 and yeah, yeah and he's already kind of been chopped around a couple of times and mm. so i don't know I, I just they're not a very good team and uh, they're goaltending between bernier and howard uh jimmy howard yeah like a it's old and b it is not appetizing <laughs> sure, at all right so I think for them in the future, they got to get themselves a goaltender. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I think they'll end up they if if something happens, if they don't win the lottery and they end up in like fourth, I would be interested to see if they take a look at that Yaroslav Askarov kid from Russia. I hear really really good right. things about him. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I take him number one just because you know goaltending is so finicky. I, I would take the the surefire talent of of a Lafreniere or mm-hmm. um, Quentin Byfield, whoever ends up going number one. But you know, if if he drops, if they drop in the draft lottery outside of the top three, I think Askarov should be on the table for them because if they're going to do anything in the next you know, four or five years, they're going to have to shore up that goaltending. Well, if they want to win the lottery, they should probably just go ahead and trade for Taylor Hall from New Jersey because wherever that guy goes, they win the lottery. So it's a good luck good charm. <laughs> good point. Yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us today. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the Lockdown NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase from Lockdown Sabres and Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. Follow our new Twitter account for the, for the podcast at Lockdown NHL on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.